0: Hello and welcome to the Women in Tech SEO podcast where your hosts are myself, Sarah McDowell, SEO content executive at Holland & Barrett and the ever so delightful Areej Abu Ali who is a SEO consultant and the founder of the epic Women in Tech SEO community. This week, we have the wonderful Natalie Mott joining us, who is an SEO all-rounder with core interests in technical SEO, content strategy, project management, and outreach. She has held senior SEO positions at several digital agencies and is thoroughly enjoying spending time in the world of freelance consulting. A very warm welcome and hello to the both of you.
1: Yeah. Hey, it's great to be here.
0: This episode is sponsored by DeepCrawl. DeepCrawl offers the complete end-to-end technical SEO platform with the tools and integrations you need to grow, detecting technical improvements that will help you drive growth and protecting your website from harmful code through SEO testing automation. Discover just how DeepCrawl's technical SEO platform can help you increase your search performance and revenue by visiting their website www.deepcool.com. You can also follow them on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much for spending your Saturday morning with me in a reach. Very, very appreciative. How are we doing? How's,
2: how's your morning been? Quite, uh, quite productive actually. Quite, got up early, had a good, good breakfast. Um, Bit, that's a bit unusual for a Saturday to be honest but uh yeah it's going very well how about yourself
1: yeah all good all good over here I'm just really really excited to have you here with us um and you know I think I I know so much about you Nat already we've we've met several several times I think since the very start of the women in tech SEO community but I'd love you to tell the community like all of our speak audience a little bit more about you so how did you first get into SEO
2: um, well, I think it, probably a similar story to a lot of people. I sort of fell into it um, a long time ago. Now, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't have a clue what it was. I, although I'd been um, very much involved with website building from being a teenager. You know, I took a website development qualification at the age of sixteen, so I was very much online. I didn't know what SEO was when I went into my first job as a uh, as a data researcher for a for a hotel advertising website um and it was it was amazing it was it was completely aligned with how my brain works as a as a thing to do so I I was obsessed with it and as soon as I was introduced to it as a concept but uh yeah I studied music at university I had uh, no idea what SEO was until I started that first job.
1: Yeah. And I know that you, you you've talked a lot before about how much you're really enjoying the world of freelance consultancy. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you found that journey so far? Yeah, I I
2: anyone who will listen, I, I don't shut up about it, but it's uh, it's 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 so I'm so much better suited to self-employment. It's it's uh, I'm probably not for everybody. Um, and certainly through lockdown. uh I've thought at some points that I might have preferred the structure of having a a full-time role, you know, or being part of a a team. It can be quite lonely as a, as a freelancer, not just not immediately having a a team to bounce ideas off of. I didn't realize how much I I valued that when I was agency side. So like the the projects I I love the most are the ones where I am working with agency teams or with in-house teams. And I'm sort of part, part of the crew. Um, but overall, it it is just it's it's good to have control of your own schedule. Um, you get a bit more control over, you know. Like you're, you're. I'm just going to be really frank. Your earning potential is so much more when you're self-employed. Um, seriously, in SEO, <laughs> it's a bit of a. I said this the other day. It's like it's a bit of a. You know that's that's how they get you. It's a bit of a scam. Maybe edit that bit out. But um, <laughs> the um. It's just awesome. I still love it. It can be very, very stressful, but it can be very, very wonderful. And that's what I'll say about it.
0: Yes, I suppose um, with like things that are challenging and stressful, um, they can also be very rewarding at the same time, can't they? Um, Absolutely. So. <laughs> Lovely. Well, it's wonderful to sort of learn about um, how you got into the industry and your career and that side of things. Um, But what I really love doing with our guests is a quick fire round of questions to get to know you more personally. Okay. Are you ready for question number one?
2: Yeah, go ahead.
0: Would you rather have to speak in rhyme for the rest of your life or riddles?
2: Definitely rhyme. I'd, I'd prefer to be understood.
0: Um what did you have for breakfast this morning? Now this quite ties into what you were saying this morning that it was a novelty to have breakfast.
2: Yeah, usually usually I um a bit later on eating. I had I just had porridge oats with berries and maple syrup. Very nice.
0: Oh, very very nice. I had maple syrup but on pancakes, so less healthy there. Um do you enjoy watching magic?
2: Um, not anymore. <laughs> Not really. anymore? I don't know. Yeah, it's not, it's not my cup of tea, really.
0: Fair enough. So I won't try and uh, do some like magic tricks for you then. <laughs> um, <laughs> film that you could watch over and over again?
2: My answer to this was always 1984, but it's kind of not so much fun anymore because the world's sort of like that. So I would say Four Weddings and Funeral. Mm-hmm. Even the other side.
0: That's a classic, isn't it? A good classic there. Um, and then my last question for you, and I have to say, you've dealt with my questions expertly. Um, Favourite thing to snack on? Uh,
2: everything, really. I don't know. <laughs> uh, if, does if, ice cream count as a snack?
1: Yeah, ice cream definitely counts. If you could replay, If you could either have only snacks or only normal meals for the rest of your life, what would you go with? Meals,
2: I think. Yeah, sensible.
1: Yeah, I have a feeling I'm more of a I'm more of a snack person. But well, yeah, awesome. Well, Nat, I think in terms of just before we dive into the main topic that we're here to talk about today, you know, you being um, part of the women in tech SEO community, I'd love to know more about what empowers you to be the brilliant woman you are.
2: Um. Well, t- t- just just by. Just talking about the community itself, I I am forever inspired and um, empowered by by seeing what others in in our community are doing. Um, some some amazing people in the Women in Tech SEO community that just you know just show show you what's possible. And and you know, there's also some very kind and supportive people in in the group as well. So um, yeah, I'm I try and be an active member in in that community and. Yeah, that's that, that's all often been very helpful um, uh, on a personal level. I think. I think I'm fairly I'm going to be quite personally, I'm fairly empowered by my sobriety. I don't drink anymore and it has absolutely changed my life, like just immeasurably. And I'd say that if that if that wasn't there, um, it could be a whole different story sort of that and it's that and and the spiritual practices that come with that and and all the things you learn about yourself I'd I'd say that's that's what um what empowers me the most
1: yeah I absolutely love that and do you have any advice that you can share you can give for you know women who are still starting off in the industry and feel very overwhelmed
2: Oh well with with overwhelm um it's so easy to be overwhelmed because you see you see all these resources, all these training resources that show you all all of the things that there are to learn, and it looks like it's like this insurmountable thing to to grasp. But um, so I'd say it's it's like any of these things. It's like I'm going to use the cliche of eating an elephant. How do you eat an elephant a bit at a time? So yeah, don't. Uh, yeah, I can see how it would be overwhelming, but um, it's it, it once you get into it, it's it's not as difficult as it looks. I I really believe that about SEO. There's an awful lot of uh, smoke and mirrors and making it making it look like it's harder than it really is. Um, so don't be put off.
0: I have to agree as well and there's a lot of lingo isn't there in jargon um that can be a bit off-putting and like don't get me wrong obviously there's terms that you need to use and um there's like the proper like terminology but I think sometimes that can be a bit scary um do you know what I mean like it's like when you start a new uh job and there's loads of acronyms that the business uses and stuff isn't it it's like yeah. until you get used to the terminology and comfortable with what people are saying um then yeah yeah it's like line of duty (laughs) (laughs) love how you've got uh yeah you managed to get line of duty it's an epic (laughs) epic series and also I've never heard of the elephant analogy before um the how do you eat an elephant a bit at a time I'm going to use that
2: (laughs) yeah one of my first bosses
0: said that to me I'll never forget it (laughs) I mean yeah it sticks with you doesn't it I I imagine an elephant to be a bit chewy anyway I feel like we're getting (laughs) going on a bit of a tangent here so we are talking today so the main topic is everyone's favorite in the seo industry core web vitals now how would you explain what this is to someone who's just come across cross it for the first time
2: well core web vitals is a set of metrics that google has pulled together that um that there is user experience, uh, um, a definition of user experience, and there's there's three three of these core web vitals, which is quite helpful because um, the things that go behind these core web vitals used to be in a kind of sprawling um, list of recommendations in PageSpeed Insights. So it's been helpful to kind of consolidate those into these three metrics, which are um, largest contemptful paint which relates to loading, uh, the part of the page that takes the longest to load. Uh, First input delay, which measures interactivity. And cumulative layout shift, which measures visual stability. And those three elements are the things that sort of go into what what makes or breaks a, a user experience, essentially. If it takes too long to load, it's a frustrating user experience. If you can't click on... Uh, certain elements you can't actually interact with with what you want to that's extremely frustrating and if things keep moving about um one of the main causes of that is things like cookie policies or live chat overlays or um things keep moving about that's that's a very frustrating user experience as well so all of those things have been distilled into these three uh hopefully fairly too easy easy to understand metrics
1: and is it interesting how always we tend to everything you mentioned it so like it's all about user experience, right? So even if we think of ourselves as users and how frustrating it can be to go on a website and then have any form of slowness or bad experience or things popping up, it feels common sense, doesn't it?
2: Well, you yeah, you would think so, um, but um, just <laughs> user experience is kind of nebulous uh, it means different things to different people. I, I, I'm finding it, it means different things to UX specialists and developers and SEOs. And, and then, and then you've got the the users themselves. It's, um, it's sort of subjective. Um, so Google has, you know, is, is trying to make, make this a little less subjective and and make these things much more measurable and much more easy to control. Um, because obviously Google knows good user experience. Um, it's it's just a bit easier to uh, yeah to distill it into those metrics.
1: Yeah, and how how do you how did you feel when you heard that the update is being pushed back? Do you think that's a good or a bad thing? Oh,
2: definitely, definitely good. Um, it, I imagine most. Most SEOs breathe a sigh of relief when when they saw that, but then again, it would depend who who you are and how how prepared you were, because there may be people that just nailed it; their sites were all ready to go, you know, game on. But um, no, I mean, it depends where what you read. The the stats basically say ninety, at least ninety percent of all websites are failing the core web vitals assessment at the moment. So that's that's a lot of seos developers ux specialists that are you know that are getting a reprieve here um on the flip side there's a you know there's a, a school of thought that this uh update isn't really going to do much to the serps at all because everyone you know almost everyone is failing the assessment i don't i don't quite subscribe to that because there are sites that are nailing it you know certainly in the like in the insurance industry, that's always been a sort of a a shining light of uh, page speed and user experience. You know, the the, the big players in the insurance industry have always focused on that and got it right. Amazon has got it right. eBay's got it right. Certainly e-commerce retailers have. Many e-commerce retailers haven't. So it's um, it's anyone's guess, but... um, Yeah, I think it's definitely good that it's been pushed back, and good that it's uh, been confirmed to be more of a phased rollout rather than some kind of flick of a switch, like the likes of Panda and Penguin. I I remember, you know, sites that you know, well-known brands, absolutely decimated as a result of of those um, algorithm updates. And although Google's algorithm has become much more sophisticated, you know, there's there's less less of that drastic change you know, for the majority of sites, unless they've done something seriously wrong with their, their you know, their link building practices or their content strategy or, or whatever. Um, I still think there's a risk of this uh, affecting sites more than people may think.
0: Yes. Um, and I just want to play a little bit of uh, Devil's Advocate on the, like, update being pushed back. Um, because I have heard some people um, saying that, like, obviously it's hard to get buy-in from web developers and the tech team at at companies and stuff. And I have heard that some people uh, were using the earlier date as a bit of an urgency. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, And now that, like, the the update has been pushed back, yes, it gives time to um, websites to... Um, get things sorted, and it sounds like that's what's needed because a lot of companies are failing. But there might also, on the other side, um, like it might be hard to get things implemented because the urgency side is gone. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but it's—I mean—it's been pushed back to you know by by a month, and and even in my personal experience with with one of the sites I'm working on, uh, even with that urgency added into the the recommendation. There were still many, too many, conflicting priorities to to prioritize the thing. You know, I think um, there will be there will be business owners and um, product owners who are comfortable with the risk of of not sorting core web vitals across all of their pages because there's so many other development things to do. Um, so I, I think the urgency is still there. It's just not as it's not not as urgent as it was. It's still it's still gonna happen. It's still on the horizon.
1: And how how do you currently work alongside? You mentioned you know developers, engineers, UX designers. Uh, how how can we get that buy in and make sure that they can actually you know prioritize um, implementing some of these recommendations that we lay out?
2: Well, it's another one of those things that is situation dependent. Um, some some sites I'm working on as a consultant, I work directly with the developer. It's a small team. There's not that many other things in the development schedule, and we can just do it. And in in those cases, I work closely with the developer on on pointing out where, you know, what's causing the largest contentful paint. What's, you know, the specific nodes that are causing the that issue or the CLS issue, for example. Um, And you can work quite closely with the developer and get it done. In larger organisations, you know, you have more stakeholders, more people vying for development time and space there may be resource issues you you don't know about as an seo if you're not privy to um you know how how things are staffed you know there's just all kinds of things you have to deal with if you're a larger organization but i i would say the best way to get buy-in is to keep keep making your case figure out who who the stakeholders are you know make make acquaintance with the product managers, the UX people, uh, get close to the developers, which is not always easy, depending on the organisation. Um, but you know, don't 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 just swan in with your SEO recommendations, <laughs> you know, and try and try and push it through. No, you absolutely need to demonstrate how it's going to help everybody, how it's mm. going to help the organisation achieve its objectives.
0: Yeah, I suppose like relationships and talking in like in ways that they understand why it's important, I suppose, isn't it absolutely awesome, okay, so obviously, um what sort of advice would you give for like prioritization of like the key things to get done within core web
2: vitals? Um, well, I would focus on again it depends on the size of the site um so let's just talk about you know large e-commerce sites and um, just take that as an example if it was a small site just get it done but um w- when the when there is a need for prioritization i'd prioritize based on the the pages that stand to lose the most traffic if they were affected by by the update so imagine the worst case scenario that failing core web vitals assessment um will mean that your competitors leapfrog you and and you do do lose traffic um it stands to reason that you would focus on the pages that are most that are generating the most organic traffic at the moment, or the page types, page templates, um, but then also the competition. You, and it's, this is this this is something I am still sort of weighing up about this competition element because you don't know that in twenty eight days. If I give context to this twenty eight days thing, twenty eight days is ha- the lag on the field data um, provided by PageSpeed Insights, uh, Chrome User Experience Report. Um, we, we benchmark our competitors based on what, what their, their field data score is at the moment. No visibility on what development work they're doing, you know, at the moment. So we sort of – there's a 28-day lag. Um, so I, I'd i say do prioritise the, the work based on how much of a risk the competition are, but also bear in mind that you, you might not have full visibility of that.
1: Yep. And what are the best ways, so you mentioned benchmarking data a lot, so what are the best ways that we can make sure we're set up for success and we know exactly what we're benchmarking against? So how would we go about measuring and tracking our metrics, and how do we ensure that we can constantly report on that?
2: So I would say the first port of call is uh, taking a look in Google Search Console, where they um, the, there's a Core cool Web Vitals report, it's been rolled into a page experience report which um which is in line with the update which is um you know due to cover not just core web vitals but mobile friendliness um security you know all all kinds of things that 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 go into user experience um but search console gives you a summary it's very top line and you do need to do further analysis on it but it will summarize to you how many of your pages are, are achieving a good um a good score on core vitals assessment how many are needs improvement and how many are poor um and then it rolls up um it it, it helpfully groups together the um you know the similar issues across um, page types so it will tell you how many similar pages are affected by the same thing but it does only say it, this is a cumulative layout shift issue or this is a uh, largest contentful paint issue. It uh, you you need to dig deeper in order to uh, to figure out what's going on but i'd take that as the first benchmark and and always be monitoring um you know once you're making the changes to to the page templates and everything be monitoring your performance within the the report in search console <clears throat> um, i i'm i'm not i'm not brilliant with dashboards and data studio to be honest i'm i'm someone who just deals with all my benchmarking in excel sometimes quite manually it's um I could probably do that a bit better but I do that so I can be be hands-on with the data and intimately acquainted with it um so I'll take benchmarks of um pretty much I'll try and crawl, crawl the whole site and take a benchmark of all of the um the field and the the lab data using Screaming Frog and PageSpeed Insights API um and then summarize from that um how, how the different page types are performing, I'll put them into a um, sort of a summary sheet and then you can see at a glance exactly what the scores are against the the different templates. Um, but also um, Data Studio, Google has provided some, some good dashboards, um, just literally I think if you Google Core Web Vitals dashboard, the Data Studio dashboards will come up. Um, so, they're a good starting point as well
0: wonderful um i feel like ugh, there's just so many more questions <laughs> and right other things that we could talk about uh, but just conscious of time um uh, because time is flying isn't it um so sort of like my last question in this area is where can people go to learn more about core web vitals what are some of like good resources out there or like good things that
2: you've come across I think the person who's owning this space at the moment is Jamie Indigo. She's done some amazing, uh, good article um, she put out the other day on Search Engine Journal and good talk she did at Tech SEO Boost. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think of, other, uh, oh, I saw a brilliant piece by um, looking at specific core web vitals. Jess B. Peck did a, um, a deep dive into what affects cumulative layout shift um so that's good if you want to do sort of a deep dive into that specific metric um but i'd also google's own documentation on this so web.dev um is the is the best best resource to start with but then if you want you know to add color i'd Mm. say start start with those kind of people
0: it's now time for my favorite part of the podcast and that is the feature. Are you guys both ready to go head to head?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I'm I'm guessing you're on both on your edge of your seat to know what this week's tenuous link is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, sounds like you're on the
2: edge of your seat. I am literally on the edge of my seat. But... <laughs> okay, this, this is
0: good. So, Core Web Vitals, I went with web, and I've got a spider quiz for you.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, do you both like spiders?
1: hate spiders. I'm yeah, not really a fan. Yeah. I've never met a spider fan in my life.
0: <laughs> See, I feel... I feel bad for spiders because they're just I don't know they're like no one likes them do they
1: it's not about not liking them they're just terrifying (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they're nice uh, creatures but they're very scary
0: well hopefully if we get to know more about a spider we may appreciate them more okay oh it might do the other thing because it might terrify you okay um question number one and I will say whose turn it is to answer first um do water spiders have gills so they can breathe so this is a yes or no answer Natalie what are you thinking no so you don't think they have gills no I don't know
2: why (laughs) I'm just going with no no
1: Okay, reach. I I didn't even know water spiders was a thing. Um I, I'll say yes just just to yeah, just a guessing game at this point.
0: So, oh, I like it. You are both going different. Um the correct answer was no.
1: Oh, there um, you go.
0: <laughs> so, Natalie, you're you're winning with the uh, one point there. They actually use air bubbles from the surface of the water to survive. Um so yes they don't have gills they use um bubbles instead question number two the creatures known as daddy long leg spiders in the united states are actually female spiders is that true or false and arid you can go first i think it's true you think it's true hmm. natalie i think it's true too it's false uh-oh <laughs> I uh, I was a bit mean there, because Daddy Longlegs are not spiders, but a group of, I can never say this word, arachnids known as harvestmen. Oh. Ah, there you go. Uh, so, Natalie, you are winning so far with your spider knowledge. <laughs> okay, question number three. <laughs> what does it mean when a spider is oviparous? I'll spell that because I don't know if I've pronounced that right. O-V-I-P-A-R-O-U-S. O-V-Paris Porus. Does it A mean that it's infertile? Does it B mean spider can lay eggs? Does it C mean there are twice as many legs as any other spider? Or D, the spider has both male and female organs? Oh, my
1: God.
0: Do you want them again?
1: No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just okay.
0: A B C or D.
1: I, I think it's the one with the double the legs, more more legs,
0: more legs. Yeah. What are you saying, Natalie? Eggs. They can lay eggs. Lay eggs. Yeah. That is correct.
1: Oh, what the hell? <laughs>
0: did you Did you know that you knew some spider knowledge, Natalie? It
2: was a It was a process of elimination. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um okay. Question number four. True or false? A, s- a banana spider only eats bananas. Avij, what you saying? False.
1: And again, I didn't know something was called a banana spider existed.
0: You're gonna be terrified next time you open a banana, aren't <laughs> you?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Natalie? I think it's false too. Right, the correct answer is, yes, it is false. Uh, do you want to know what they actually eat?
1: Yeah, go for it.
0: So a banana spider eats the cockroaches that live on bananas. Oh, mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> so you've got cockroaches that uh, live on bananas. This is This is an awful quiz, really, isn't it? <laughs> okay, question number five. And again, I don't know why I've done this to myself because I'm not very good with my words. Um, From where does the word arachnid come come from? Is that how you say that word? Arachnid, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So is it A, Roman mythology? Is it B, Hindu mythology? Is it C, Egyptian mythology? Or is it D, Greek mythology? Natalie, what are you saying? I think it's Greek. You're going Greek?
1: I'll I'll go Roman.
0: You're going Roman. Um somehow um I haven't got the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> can you bear with me one second? We can we can just remove this question. I wanna know though, don't you want to know? No <laughs> Right, I've got it, I've got it. It's Greek.
1: Oh so another point for Natalie.
0: So, yes, the word arachnid comes from Greek mythology. So, Natalie, not only can you say that you're a um tech SEO like superstar, but also that you you know your spiders well. Who
2: knew? <laughs> honestly.
0: <laughs> Something to put on your uh, CV, I think. But yes, I mean, is that made you like spiders more or less?
2: Um indifference <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of indifferent to them to be honest
0: <laughs> oh well um there we go that's this week's feature and well done natalie round of applause
1: yes yeah, nat
0: <laughs> um lovely well that brings us to an end of another women in tech seo podcast Natalie um where can people find you so if they want to like carry on learning from you or see what you're sharing what you're doing what you're talking about where's best that they can do that
2: I think I'm mostly I mostly use Twitter so I'm at njmott at on Twitter um I'm on LinkedIn um don't don't go looking for my website I've not had a chance to actually make it Anything resembling a proper website. So yeah, Twitter <laughs> yes.
0: I, I love Twitter. I love the community on Twitter. It's so nice and
1: lovely, isn't it?
0: Um, Arij, how can people get in touch with us?
1: Yeah, so womenintechseo.com. You can find our podcast on there, on the nav. Um, if you, if you want to be a speaker, all you have to do is fill a form and we'll be in touch to schedule you in. Uh, we've got a sponsor form up there as well. Um, And you're more than welcome to join our community. Uh, We've got a Facebook and a Slack group, all the info you can find on womenintechseo.com.
0: Wonderful. And then the only last thing that I would say is if you enjoy our podcast and you've not yet subscribed, please do, um, because yes, that means that you get notifications of when new episodes are ready and waiting for you. Right. I think the only thing left for us to do is say goodbye
1: yeah goodbye
0: goodbye and until next
1: time